This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. New Society Publishers is your one-stop shop to level up your skills. These episodes are a great way to get a preview of the fascinating subjects and knowledge from my guests, but if you want to build a deeper understanding and practical skills that will serve you on your regenerative journey, then you should check out their titles, like Coppice Agroforestry, The Book of Nature Connection, Practical No-Till Farming, Wild Plant Culture, and so many more. They've got audio, digital, and hard copy books so that you can choose your favorite format. Find it all now at NewSociety.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back. So today's episode touches on a very timely topic for me. I'm currently developing a program to assist European farmers in their transition to regenerative management of their farms, and the big challenge for me is to make a program that's relevant for the vast array of contexts and differences that farmers across this continent are working from. No single set of information is appropriate. No one teaching style is going to connect with everyone. Even the regulatory framework and incentive structures can vary a whole lot. I've long since observed this as an obstacle for design frameworks like permaculture, which have a solid foundation in the principles and the patterns of nature, but often get lost in the details and techniques like swales and chicken tractors or herb spirals. I'm of the opinion that we're all overwhelmed with information and possibilities in our bizarre, internet-connected, anthropogenic world, and more options and information often only serve to make choosing and taking action tougher. I believe that simple and reliable processes and organizational support can have a much bigger role to play in helping us to set priorities, put parameters on our options, and to make the overwhelm more manageable, especially when it comes to the complexities and the timescales of working with living systems. Luckily for me, one of my friends and respected colleagues in the permaculture space has just developed a course and accompanying tools to assist precisely in this area. William Horvath is the founder of Permaculture Apprentice. He studied permaculture in Australia before quitting his job as a geologist for the mining industry there, and moved with his wife back to Croatia, where he's originally from. For years now, he's been developing his own permaculture paradise and writing and educating about his experiences on his blog and through his design and consulting services through permacultureapprentice.com. He has also begun teaching permaculture courses for people looking to start their own farms and transition to a regenerative lifestyle. Now in today's session, we pick apart the common hurdles that lead to inaction and paralysis despite having all the knowledge and information that we may need. We talk about the common problem of having lofty goals, many projects going on at once, and of course, limited time and resources to do them. From there, we go deep into defining the what, where, and how of your goals in order to build them into a process. And William talks about how to break them down into manageable chunks from there through phases and steps of development. And he also goes into sharing tools and advice for keeping everything organized and scheduled in calendars and to-do lists so that you never miss essential windows again. Now, I really want to express just how important that I believe this piece of the puzzle is for all of us in reaching our goals. I know from my own experience how much getting organized, building routines, planning ahead in detail, and creating loops of experimentation, monitoring, and revision have all been essential in my own life and in my success with clients and in business. Now, though I've come a long way personally, I still have a lot of learning in this area to do, and doubling down on preparation and planning has always paid dividends for myself and for those who I know who excel in their chosen fields. Quickly, before we get started, I also recommend that you go over to the links in the show notes where William has given exclusive access to some of the tools and templates that feature in his course in order to get you started. And of course, if any of you want to stay up on the development of the transition program that I'm building for climate farmers, the beta program will be available for members of the climate farmers community this fall, and you can sign up now on our website at climatefarmers.org. So with all of that out of the way now, let's hear from William Horvath. So William, welcome back. Man, it's been way too long since we talked. Uh, I mean, you were the first guest on this podcast back when it was called <laughs> Abundant Edge, and I yes. was coming up with the concept. We had some follow-up interviews after that, but you and I really kind of chatted directly in a number of years. That being said, you have been up to a lot. You've got your online business, The Permaculture Apprentice some new programs coming out. And I mean, this is really timely because 
you've got a lot going on. You're juggling a lot of different projects. You're a father. You've got multiple properties. You've got an online business. And you and I are in a similar situation in that we're just juggling a lot of different things. We're trying to develop our land. We're trying to develop our businesses, still maintain time and connection with community and, and family. And we got to manage that time better. And this is exactly what you're working on. Maybe give me a little update on where you're at right now and some of the things that you're you're working on. Okay, so to first, thanks for the welcome. And I'm honored to be back. Um, it has been like five years. And in five years, well, I became a father. That was like the the biggest uh, change. And that... that uh, influenced so many things that I was doing because then um, uh, there was always a, they say that it's not like that you have work-life balance, you have like work-life choices. Okay, mm -hmm. so there, there were a lot of choices that I made uh, that put, uh, let's say a strain on my uh, time that I have to devote to business and to the farm and to do everything else. So I'm always juggling those things. And I was always trying uh, to be as productive as I can. And that's why in the, I don't know, I would say in the last three, four years, as I was teaching permaculture and I was helping people with their properties, I um, increasingly developed tools that um, I was using in my own life. And then I was giving that uh, to people consuming my content. And that was like the big, uh, uh, the big uh, thing that uh, uh, I had was always the biggest constraint was always on my time, and then uh, as well as the resources that I didn't have. Okay, so I always kind of the biggest challenge is, is always you either don't have uh, time, or you don't have resources, or you don't have the energy, and you control the skills and knowledge as well. So there are certain. I'm in the phase where I don't, uh, where I don't have time. Uh, I have some resources, and I have skills, uh, but the time is always an issue. So I I've been working in the last I don't know three four years on trying to uh, be as effective as possible and as efficient as possible with everything that I'm doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And in a similar situation with just all the projects that are going on, something that I mentioned in a previous episode of the stuff that I'm juggling and having to allocate time carefully, but also make sure that I'm focused and that there's a good plan and organization behind the use of that time so that it is used effectively and actually opens up opportunities to do what I want to be doing or need to be doing with the time left over. And I think you, like me, have pretty big goals and visions for the future, things that we want to accomplish. And that's also very common of the people within your online network that take your courses, as well as the people who listen to this podcast. Many of us are driven by these bigger visions. And yet that can also be crippling for our decisions because they are so large and they're hard to break down into tasks that you can accomplish on a daily basis and manageable goals in between getting to that bigger vision. How is that something that you started to manage in your case? Well, I would say that, um, that being overwhelmed is definitely something that a lot of people can relate to because we all have, as I said, we have, we're kind of motivated with everything and dreaming what we want to do. We have big expectations and then we have goals. But then we get overwhelmed with everything that we want to do, could do, uh, need to do, and are doing. Okay, so what I've done is um, uh, is when we are thinking, when we are thinking about the whole system, like the property that you're managing, whether that's a farm, whether that's a homestead, the first thing that I um, recommend to do, or the way that I'm thinking about it is to look at that whole system and then break it down to multiple components, like a bigger subsystems that you are managing. Like I can give you an example. Like an example would be if you have, let's say, uh, a homestead or if you have a farm. 
and that farm would be uh, the systems on that farm would be uh, food forest, it would be your garden, it would be fertility or soil management, it could be energy, plant propagation, infrastructure, water. So they are all interconnected when you look at them, because on a permaculture farm or regenerative agriculture farm, all these systems are interconnected and you want them to be interconnected. But from the perspective of farm management, you can look at them separately. And once you look at them separately, then you can start to manage the projects and the task within them, um, utilizing uh, a framework for management and um, tasks and tools for project and uh, planning. And that would be like the first step. And then um, within each system, you can then um, uh, break it down further into what I call, I have a frame for that, and I call that um, the trident of getting things done on the property, which comes down to you know what, uh, when, and how. Okay, so the what is the big picture or plan, or you can call it the roadmap of uh, what you're trying to achieve, and it's with phases and steps. Um, then you have when is the calendar of events of when the things are from that roadmap are happening across the year. And then you have the how and how is the step-by-step -step on how you execute the task. That's the logistical part and the how to. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but I can yeah, go absolutely. then. And I like that you're using the example that a lot of people can connect with that are interested in permaculture or regenerative farming, something like food forest or an orchard yeah. in some cases, right? Yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. break that down even further and, and look at some of the components of planning and organizing for the design and implementation of a food forest. Okay, so let me run you through the framework of uh, the trident, uh, the trident of getting things done. So the what, the when, and how. Let's start with the what. Okay, so the what is all about being effective, okay? That means working on the right type of tasks and in the right order, okay? So you need to always have a, a big picture of what you're trying to achieve, a plan on a roadmap. So it's easily to get lost in a daily grind or in the daily grind of uh, trying to achieve something without uh, a plan that you can uh, reference to and, and see that, that big picture. So I can tell you, that I made many mistakes on my farm in the beginning when I was, you know, just trying to uh, do random things that I saw on the internet. Okay, so I was I was inspired as everyone we like food forests, and then I went immediately to nursery, and I bought a tree, and then I kind of looked. Okay, so I could plant it. You know, I I could I could plant the tree in this area. So, and then the next row would be you know five meters away um and then i went and and i simply planted the tree and today i call that tree a control tree because it's not growing at all so i skipped so many steps before uh when you come down to planting so you you, you need to first have an idea of what's your overall layout of the food forest or and then do uh, what type of soil are you planting into? Do you need to do any soil improvement? And then what's the water management strategy? And then you come to plant. Okay, so I skipped so many parts and steps, so many important steps, and I came directly into planting. So that's why I say that for each project that you are working, and the project can be your food forest, that's your system that you're trying to establish, implement, and then later on maintain. Uh, for each of that project, you can split it into design phase, implementation phase, and then maintenance phase. And then that maintenance phase will have, uh, uh, sorry, design implementation maintenance phase, they'll have certain steps within them and you organize them in order. So for example, uh, for a food forest in a design phase, you would have, of course, that's a planning, you would plant the food forest, you would define the layout, you will see what kind of plants you need to uh, source and get and what you would like to grow. And then you have uh, a site preparation works. When you come into the implementation, you have site preparation works where you would perhaps do some site clearing and then test the soil and do a site survey. And then you get 
The next phase would be initial soil works where you start to move earth and dig swales or uh, do some drainage work. Uh, after that, you would have soil conditioning works where you come into the phase where you improve the soil in some way, and then you come to planting. After you plant, there is a maintenance phase. So you, for each person who is trying to implement a food forest, uh, you will need to figure out what are the steps and create that um, plan for yourself. Which is that plan should be relevant to the context you are operating within. Okay, so it would be different for someone in a boreal climate than someone in Mediterranean climate, for example. Okay, so and the tool that I'm recommending for people to use for this could be a simple spreadsheet table and just. Uh, for your listeners, I prepared uh, a document which will have, which where I'll list all the project management tools that they can use when they are organizing stuff on their properties. And I'll have, I'll have that on uh, my website under permaculturepractice.com/slash Oliver, uh, and we'll we'll put the link in the description. Okay, but the easiest tool where you can create this would be like a spreadsheet. You create columns and you uh, define what your plan with stages is for establishing and maintaining your food forest. As I said, there would be, there would be certain phases and within those phases, certain steps. So this would then outline what you need to do. Okay, so the next would be um, when you need to do it. So is there anything you want, is there anything to address here, Oliver, or we can move to, to when? Yeah, let's... I mean, there's some really good points in there. It's so easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of information out there. I mean, I've read books and books on food forest. If we're going to continue with this, this example, um, there's so many minute techniques that are exciting and inspiring, like rafting and seed saving, all these things, but are not relevant at the beginning stages when you need to gather, let's say, baseline data, do soil assessments, perhaps create a design, think through the evolution and maintenance, right? It's very easy to get caught up in those details. And though I've definitely skipped steps and done things a little bit too fast, oftentimes my difficulty is overthinking where I've thought through so many little details that I lose sight of the bigger picture. And this is what I like about your framework is that it allows for the input of those details while still maintaining a vision of the timeline, the bigger picture that you can see at a glance from a little further back. Um, I was going to ask about, you know, how do you organize this in a visual way? It's one of the tools that really helps me. But you were mentioning the, the spreadsheet. I use those a lot as well. And yeah, like you said, we'll put the link in the description for people who can use this as a template to work with. So, okay, so we've got a bit of a framework now. We've started to put things in something of an order. Moving yeah. on from the what, what is the next stage? What is the next, um, I guess, planning aspect that we need to consider? Okay, so we come to when. Okay, so first we have the what, the things, what are, what are we going to work on and in what order? And then we come to the when. When is all about being on schedule, doing tasks at the right time. So anything related to farming is usually seasonal and you need to do things at the right time. So you don't want to miss the window and then have to wait for the next year or do things at the wrong time of the year and then waste your resources. You know, for simple examples could be adding fertilizer, adding nitrogen-based fertilizer in midwinter. Okay, so if, if you do that, then all the fertilizer, nitrogen fertilizer will basically evaporate before plants actually need them in spring. Or it could be uh, pruning an apple tree in midsummer or doing earthworks in the driest part of the year. So I can tell you an example of me doing things at the wrong time of the year and people could relate to that, but it clearly illustrates. So I was in my food forest, I have my canopy trees, I have my um, shrubs, and now I'm working on herbaceous perennial layer. And one of the most talked about plants for that layer would is comfrey. Okay, so comfrey is a dynamic accumulator, and I was trying to get 
comfrey cuttings, root cuttings, because it propagates so easily from root cuttings. I was trying to uh, propagate comfrey. And so I knew from my daily walks, I walked to the uh, to the field that we have close by and I could see comfrey growing. So I was constantly eyeing the comfrey, so I'm, I'm going to dig it out. And at the end, of, at the very end of the summer or a bit earlier, I came with my shovel, I pick up comfrey, I made, I don't know, 200 root cuttings. And, uh, and then I went to my um, food forest and I planted all those root cuttings. So all those, all those tasks kind of, I think, took me, I don't know, four or five hours of work. Okay. So, and I have daily, uh, not daily, but I have limited hours. Okay. And um, nothing grew. Nothing grew because what I did, I took comfrey root cuttings at the wrong time of the year. Like I said, I should have taken the cuttings at the late uh, fall or early spring when you know the root of the comfrey accumulated enough energy to regrow from the root cuttings. So I wasted all that time. I wasted all that uh, money and uh, uh, potentially money and uh, time. And I did nothing and I got nothing in return. So once I realized my mistake, I made a simple calendar uh, where I would, uh, where I just put its plant propagation calendar, where I put, um, uh, like I established what the timeline is, when to take uh, the root cuttings. And that comes, you know, uh, and that's like a simple example why you need to create a calendar of rents, for example. Uh, for your plant propagation needs or for the food forest or so that calendar then shows you month, month by month when the tasks are happening from that initial plan that you're planning the what you can have a you can have a um, uh, your what plan for the plant propagation as well as I said there are multiple systems you turn you uh, break uh, your whole farm into different subsystems and you manage each system with the projects with uh, certain steps and then and then you have the calendar which tells you when the things are happening. So um, for a food forest that we are following uh, before, in let's say January, you would know that in January you could if in my continental climate you could um, plant in January, February, you can plant bare root trees. You can also do food forest uh, planning your design. Then in the early spring, you start with, uh, you can uh, start adding the fertilizers and soil amendments. You can do sheet mulching. Uh, if, for example, then in, um, let's say March, uh, just prior to uh, spring and, and the rains, uh, you can start your earthworks. You put, so you put down, you mark down on your calendar where each of the things that you outline in your uh, roadmap are happening across the year. So you know exactly where you can uh, um, uh, refer to as you're doing stuff, as you're planning, okay? So uh, for this, I also use um, a spreadsheet and I created like each column is one month and then similar to timeline softwares, if any of your listeners and if you know, like a timeline software would be some something like a Gantt chart, but it will, uh, um, but it will, but it will map across uh, when the certain task is happening across the whole year. Okay, and there are timeline softwares, and I'll have that in my um, document um, also outlined there with some summary and um, instructions on how to use them. Nice. So this super useful. Yeah. Yeah. So this outlines you know what to do and when. Okay. So okay. So. Are all of these different timelines already put into the templates that you've created? Or is this something that someone would have to do research to figure out when the times are? Because I'm just thinking, like, from our perspective, you and I can have quite a bit of experience with this. We've built a lot of knowledge over the years about when the priority tasks need to happen. And like you just described, the timing on those is essential because they can be entirely useless if you do them at the wrong time of the year. But what about somebody with, let's say, just an introductory knowledge to this stuff? Maybe they, they're not sure what to prioritize or even all of the steps that are required to get to the success and the goals that they want. 
much less the timeline that they would need to put this in. How do you go about figuring that out? Well, I do this for a living, so it's my job to pursue things like that and 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 find them. And I'm pretty organized when it comes to capturing what I find online and then translating that into into something that's usable, uh, like distilling everything into uh, into materials like that. So, um, unfortunately, uh, I'm not sure if that's unfortunately, but for, for someone who likes to learn, you would need to gather all that data from ideally from somebody who is local okay so mm -hmm. uh, i done i i i researched from multiple books and videos and everything and i have a system where i just okay so this is relevant i'm collecting this and i'm putting this into here and then i can i can use it later but uh, for example there are uh, for calendars that's kind of a bit easier to find because a um, lot of um, Agriculture extensions would have calendars um, that you can refer to, but they are kind of highly specific for the area. Mm -hmm. um, I in what I'm in the downloads, I'll give templates and I'll give resources on um, where you can find those tools that will help you manage. But they'll be just templates. If somebody, you know, if people are interested, I have uh, courses that already uh, where I've already done the work for people and that was a bit um, challenging to do because there are so many uh, climates across the world so there are kind of when I'm giving people calendars then there are like six or seven different calendars for each hemispheres and for different climates but essentially if you want to create a calendar for yourself there is some research you have to do and depending that's why I say you you take it a bit, uh, um, how to say, slower, in a sense that you focus on one system and then try to collect all the information that you can and then expand from there. You yeah, that's a, always good advice. You know, start with something that's small and manageable if you're new and yeah. use the learnings that you get from the inevitable mistakes that you're going to make and yeah. embrace those as part of the learning journey and use those learnings to refine your systems and make them better for next time. Yeah, but the important thing would be have a system for management. Absolutely. Like if there is if there is one message that I can, you know, convey to your listeners, have a system organized where you can collect information, where you can refer to that information later on. And uh, because a lot of time is like, if you don't have, a system for managing, then you are kind of running around like a headless chicken from one task to another. You don't know what you're working on, um, where it fits, and then doing things uh, uh, incorrectly at the wrong time of the year, and yeah. then your progress suffers. But they, basically, that's the thing that we are we don't talk about enough is how do people how are people managing their farms at the back end? You know, like for example, when you look at uh, Richard Perkins, he's uh, like a superhuman. He can, uh, he in seven years, uh, he established a farm uh, and uh, wrote three books and uh, had, um, you know, a thousand people uh, on his, uh, going through his internship. And so that's all very impressive. But how does he manages all that at the back end? That's kind of what what's really interesting for me. I'm yeah. not sure how he does it, but I'm certain that he has some kind of system and frameworks and workflows and everything so that's what allows you to essentially you know save time and uh, and of course he invested a lot of time okay so it's not like i have i have essentially two three four hours max for my farm given that i'm doing the online stuff uh, i could do more but that's what i said about work-life choices i deliberately choose to spend as much time as I can with with my family, and yeah. I could be working, I could be working outside, but I choose, but that's how I choose. At least at, at this phase of my life, and that's important. Like these types of systems are highly customizable, not only for the context that you're working within, but also for your own unique goals. If you're not yes. trying to optimize for high productivity and maximum yield which is probably not relevant for a lot of your homesteaders the way it might be for someone who's living off of the agricultural production. Yeah. You get to choose what it is you're optimizing for. 
and what you do with the time that is saved from being more organized and more focused on the time that you're giving to these other tasks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there is a there is a one um there is a one project management software, and I'll I'll put it uh, in the list, which whole selling point is save one day per week. Mm. Uh, in a sense of you are so organized and on top of things that you essentially save that one day of you know uh, seven or, or whatever eight hours of um, doing some kind of unproductive work, and then you get to, to do with that time as as you wish. Okay, you can invest that time in something else, or you can uh, you can spend more time with your family. Okay, yeah. so exactly. So, okay, so we've got our plan developing now. We've got the what, we've figured out the when as we've divided things up into a calendar. How are we actually gonna implement this? How is this gonna play out when we get on the ground? Okay, so as I said, it's a trident and the first is the what, then is the when, and finally is the how. So how is all about being efficient and doing things, doing your task and whatever you're working on in the correct way. So you can do a lot of things at the right time. You can do a lot of right things in the right order at the right time and still do a poor job. So for example, as uh, I was mentioning that tree, um, probably I planted that control tree that I was talking about earlier wrong. Okay, so uh, I didn't have the insights that I have today. So you can take your tree and do everything correctly and then you plant a tree too deep, you bury uh, the graft union, uh, or you don't, um, you put the fertilizer in the hole instead of putting it on the top. And then you, you know, you wait for a year or two and then you realize that the tree is not growing properly. Um, you've done things wrong. Okay. So that's why I said you can still know exactly when and what and, and do um, poor job. So for this step, for the how, you want to create a step-by-step guide. So workflows or protocols, whatever you call it, uh, you can follow when you are executing. So ideally, um, the guides would ha have instructions on what you need to do step-by-step -step, and additionally give you some ideas about how much time it will take you, the task, uh, what tools and resources and equipment you need so you can be, uh, so you can organize yourself um, and waste no time. Okay, so... Uh, the idea is to have something you can easily refer to. You don't have to create guides. for. Uh, you don't have to create your own guides. I do because that's what I do for, for a living. But at least um, you would need to have some notebook or some place where you can uh, save whatever you find online. You know, you can you, you still um, find thousands of articles that are really relevant for what you're trying to do, for example, planting a tree. You can go to WikiHow to see how that guide would look like. Even WikiHow has how to plant a tree, okay? So that's how you would, uh, the guide would look like. You don't have to do it yourself, um, but you would need to have some place where you're saving it, where you can easily access. And I can tell you that what when I was you know, starting with my farm and in the early establishment, there are so many times when I was, um, doing something on the site. And in that moment, I was browsing the web on how to do it, okay? Um, multiple times. Like uh, when I was uh, planting a tree, I would, uh, okay, so how deep should I plant a tree? And I would, how deep to plant a tree in a Google, okay? And um, when I was pruning, how to prune, prune a current uh, on a shrub. So the idea is that you have something that you can easily refer to instead of just browsing, browsing the web, okay? So... And uh, additionally, um, you would need to have some kind of notebook where you can um, note your progress, your failures, um, specific numbers like volumes of fertilizer that you're using or amount of fertilizer you're using, observations, and simply noting how much time it takes to do a task. So on my farm, I actually time everything. Uh, so how much does it take me to plant a tree? How much does it take me to uh, mow uh, my cover crop between between the rows? 
So when I'm planning next time on doing something the next year, when the recurring task happens again, then I know exactly how much time it will take me. And I know if I have limited four hours on my farm, that one hour is going to be that. And then I have three hours to do something something else. Okay, so, and I do this, you can do this, um, you, have, you can have these guides in Google Docs, you can have them saved into your Evernote, into Notion, into um, whatever you're using, just to have them easily accessible, whether that's on your laptop or as you're doing stuff on, on, on the site. Yeah, all of these different tools available now make it really easy, especially if you're pretty adept in the digital space. I mean, there's something mm -hmm. extremely focused for exactly the type of organization task management that you're doing. You can organize, like you said, the list of all of the times that it takes for the different tasks that correspond with them. But, you know, also, like you mentioned, having a system is the first thing. Um, much like they say in, in the diet and nutrition world, the efficacy of the diet that you choose is only as good as how long you stick with it. Mm, you can mm. build up this wonderful system, but if it's complex and you end up never using it, it's actually not as effective as a much simpler and more basic yes. one that yes. you stick with regularly. This is a long-term uh I guess, aspect that you need to integrate in to see the, the benefits over time. It's like meditation or any of these other practices. You're not going to see it really impart its benefits right away. Yeah. But it's yeah. in the reflection. It's in the development and the refinement of these tools and these processes. That's really going to make it relevant for you and your life, as well as the different uh, tasks or goals that you've built up through it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, in the beginning, I had no system. And then I started, I had my uh, little um, notebook where I would handwrite everything that I, I was doing and what it took me and then eventually moved to digital digital tools. And I can tell that like project management is, um, even I was you know, so much aware and I was trying to do all these things in spreadsheets, but there are kind of easy tools that you can use today and it doesn't uh, really takes you much to learn because we're all accustomed to using uh, if you ever use spreadsheets like Microsoft, you know, suite and, and, and stuff like that, you know how to use them and they don't have to be complicated and you can do things um, with the old good, you know, handwritten notes as well and have, have notebooks and print your print, print stuff for yourself as well. Uh, well, what I'm trying to say that is um, you can always wing it and, and try to do and uh, I would say in a lot of cases, you can you can do it. Uh, it's it's also similar, like you know how in in permaculture, some people like to plan details, minute details when they are kind of uh, creating their design, and some people like subculture, they don't do anything. They just come to the site and then they plan, you know, in, in their head. Whatever works is fine, just as long as kind of you are organized. If you're trying whatever you're trying to manage. You can benefit from uh, being much more organized, and that's what I'm uh, trying to do in my life. It's some kind of uh, I was forced. I was forced to do because I realized that I don't have that much time, and the only way I can get more time is by using uh, being more efficient with what I got. So, hence why I created all these tools. Yeah, and. I mean, I'm in the same state of reflection right now, which is why I was excited to do this this interview and this conversation, because I'm revisiting a lot of my own systems, many of which have been working quite well in different areas, but a lot of new complexity has come into my life by moving out here, having my family visit over the summer and wanting oh, wow. to spend as much time as possible with my nieces and my sister while they're around, uh, trying to be the educator of jungle school for them so that... Get some educational uh, or some environmental education before they go back to the city. And yeah, all of these complexities continue to arise. And, and in this reflection and refinement of my own processes, I was looking at all of the different breakdowns that you have and seeing how useful it could be, especially as I'm looking at these longer term visions, such as the maintenance of this ecosystem, which has not been as important for me when I'm mostly coaching other clients because 
though I am involved in seeing the iterations and the maintenance that comes out over time, I'm not there on the ground day to day needing to organize my own tasks with the type of precision that I now need to do for this place. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what do, what do you use? Just out of curiosity, do you use like spreadsheets or what, what do you use? Uh, handwritten notes? How, how do you organize yourself? The thing is I use a bit of everything. Um, yeah. I tend to try and do as much analog as possible. Yeah. I would prefer not to need to refer to screens or my my phone when I'm out. I know. I really like uh, I've got a you know daily planner just like I did when I was yeah. younger and in school, and yeah. I take a lot of written notes down in there. I would really like to start to integrate in a daily journal or some kind of note taking that is archived in the proper yeah. categories. I've done that previously, but it's just one of those things that's been hard to maintain as. You know, things change in my life, but I, I recognize how valuable that can be, especially for reflection in future right. seasons and going back to see what was happening at a certain time of this year. And I mean, you just can't hold it all in your head, right? I mean, yeah. a big part of having these digital tools is outsourcing a lot of your mental capacity and your memory that is just unrealistic to hold in your mind alone. So right now I'm struggling with integrating the paper and analog tools with the digital ones yeah. and still making sure that they're accessible when I would prefer not to be using screens and all of the distractions that come with those tools as well. Yeah, yeah. well, what I actually found is um, that I operate, I create like a management, project management, um, plan and then I operate on a daily basis as much as you are like with the daily planner okay so yeah. I operate um, as long as I have that, that big picture view of what needs to happen then I can uh, then I break down that into into daily tasks and that's how and my daily tasks are written on my whiteboard okay so yeah. I, I also use a combination but I found really useful for example I was yesterday um, yesterday I kind of got like 10 minutes and then I went into my uh, project management tool that I'm using, ClickUp. Yep. Um, um, and I went and see, okay, so let me see what projects are in progress on my farm. And one of the projects was to uh, add mycorrhizal uh, fungi because now it's spring and it's the right time to do it. And then I realized, okay, I forgot to order, you know, the inoculant. And then I went and I ordered in Auckland because it was, you know, it was on top of my, or on the top of my mind. But otherwise, I would forget completely. And I do tend before I was trying to organize myself in a better way. Those type of things would completely slip, and then I would come to my farm, and then I would realize, oh, I, you know, shit, I forgot to order in Auckland. So what I realized is that like, that big picture, you know, project management thing, uh, having that. Okay, so here is what's in progress that keeps me uh, I don't have to think about it anymore and then I organize my daily tests based on that mm -hmm. um, I could I could easily perhaps do it on a with a pen and paper but I found this much 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 easier for me uh, because I can I refer it on my phone and uh, on my desktop computer and as I'm doing stuff on on the on you know as I'm digging calls and my, as I'm doing something I'm referring to it on my on my phone. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Like for the bigger, more complex planning, I definitely use digital tools for that. Spreadsheets. I've used we use ClickUp a lot with climate farmers in the company. Yeah. Organized projects. Uh, we've used other ones in the past as well as integrations with communication software and stuff. Um, for me, having them too spread out on a lot of digital tools, especially those that don't speak with one another, yeah. can be really disorienting. Yeah. It ends yeah. up yeah. being more of a problem because you can't remember which one you actually put it in. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then when I'm often coming up with ideas or in a creative process, I like to use pen and paper. It, I don't know. It, I think it's, it's a lack of <laughs> that allows me to focus a lot better than having notifications come up or, you know, uh, some sort of ping for, for a chat. Yeah. Yeah, what I found is that I always carry my um, little notebook and mm -hmm. a pen on my person all the time because I always get inspired. I always, 
make some observation that I want to write down. And, and the ideas are also important because I always think, oh, I'll remember that later. I never remember that later. You know, yeah. if I have some, if I have some good idea, you know, regarding anything, like a, a doing a, a guide or observing something, or I might remember, but I don't remember sure. again, because there are so many things. Yeah. And so in the creation of your first systems, all the way up to this quite refined system that you're now teaching, what have been some of your biggest learnings in what is effective to you that helps you to not only do your, your tasks when and in the right way that they need to be mm. executed, but also, uh, you know, where you pay attention to these tools like we're talking about, what, what ends up in the foreground and what maybe is easy to forget that needs reminding? I guess that's a loaded question. There's a lot of questions with yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, what yeah. I'm trying to get to is like, what has been your learning process and the refinement of your system? Well, the learning process was that um, like the biggest um, change was from me trying to keep everything in my head to uh, having um, some sort of way to organize myself. Uh, I, in the beginning, I was just simply using um, spreadsheets and um, uh, a notebook and that was like going from uh, managing everything in my head to that was a uh, I don't know a thousand percent more effective than uh, as soon as you let's say in, in in the beginning if you're trying to do one project then it's easily to get everything in order and have a overview of what's happening but as soon as you start to have multiple projects going, then you um, start to get lost in everything that has to be done. So as the complexity increases, then you increasingly have to have something to have a big overview of what's happening. And um, for example, I was in the beginning, I was um, just for my simple garden. You know, the garden, as I establish a garden and it, as it become more and more complex, it's simple to get lost into the details of, okay, I need to, um, I need to plant my leek here and uh, forget that there are like so many other things that you are kind of still managing, you know, and still have to do. And that's just the garden. And I'm not talking about the food forest and other systems that, you know, so what are the things that you find most difficult to manage through this system? Are there any categories of things, maybe family time or creative tasks? Or, I mean, for me personally, the ones that always slip away are day-to-day -day maintenance within the house, like cooking and cleaning. <laughs> it seems like something I'm just going to do because I have to. But then at the end of planning everything, it's the one thing that didn't get planned for and it starts to accumulate. Do you have anything like that? Mm, no, but... Um... Well, I have something that it's more like a mental, like in a sense of expectation. Uh, it's always, I always find myself um, readjusting my expectations because I have, I have like big goals and then um, um, because of lack of time, I don't get to do something and then I have to manage my and lower my expectations. And that's kind of the let's say a life hack, so you are not feeling overwhelmed with everything that you need to do because things will eventually, you know, eventually, no matter how good are you in organizing stuff, you'll always have, especially if you are kind of uh, very motivated and want to do a lot of things, you'll have a lot of things that you want to get to. And then the most important thing is uh, managing that expectations in a sense that you're not hard on yourself, uh, not fulfilling what what you wanted. Uh, but you know you can you can at the end of the day, it's all about the lifestyle. I can talk about you know the projects and management and being effective and efficient, but it all comes down to the lifestyle that you wanna that you wanna live. It doesn't matter if you are working I don't know sixteen hours a day if your uh, family life suffers. At the end of the day, I think that the most important stuff in life is the relationships you have with, you know, your people around you and 
um, nothing is um, no farm, no, not anything that you achieve will um, make you happier than being uh, with people around. And that's kind of what that's what I say is the managing expectation part. Um, because if you can't achieve something, then um, it's easy to reframe it as it's not a big deal. And I can rather than um, be, again, overwhelmed or um, be mad on yourself that you're not achieving and um, constantly uh, looking at how others are doing stuff and you are not doing. So, um, yeah, comparing yourself uh, with uh, progress of others. So managing expedition would be like the biggest thing, I would say, in all, all of this. And within, I guess, this process, is it planned in already to do the reflection, the observation of the outcomes of the things that you actually accomplished? How does that inform the replanning and the refinement of the system over time? Mm, that's an excellent question. Excellent question. The lot of things are recurring. I would say a lot of things are recurring when you if when you're doing like if you have in, in, install tasks or the install part of something, you'll probably do something and then um, it's done but you'll have the experience and your, your notes and whatever, and that can inform the uh, next thing when you're doing. That's the daily journal part that you were talking about. Uh, that observation part, that would be, that's really important to have your um, experiences in Britain. Um, but um, also you have, if you finish a task, then the task is never kind of forgotten. You it's kind of in your archive where you can uh, always think about what went wrong, what what didn't. So, in in, in that sense, you kind of always inform your whatever you're doing by your past experience. Um, whether that's you put it in written, whether that's just exper experiential, whatever you do, it's always the permaculture, you know, design process. You have the you have your goals, you have the site assessment. Then you have the implementation and then you have the maintenance monitoring and then that feedback loop goes again. That's kind of um, always kind of the framework when you're doing this kind of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, how do you go about teaching this? Tell me a little bit about the course and the process that you guide people through to customize their own systems based on the templates that you've made available. Actually, I'm, what I'm always trying to do is my biggest thing with my courses is to make everything as plug and play as possible. We don't have time. Other people don't have time. They don't want, they want something like ideally in a world that we are going forward to. And that would be, it's going to be increasingly the artificial intelligence world. Who knows what's going to happen? But currently I have things, for example, in my course, uh, permaculture implementation course, I'm using certain tools that enable people to customize their their plan to their situation. Um, and that could be, so if I, I was talking about the what or when and how, so what would be your roadmap? And I, in my course, I help people in an easy way to create a plan, a roadmap that is highly customized, personalized by answering a few questions and then the and then the system would tell them, okay, so here is your plan for this year. And then they can uh, refer to a calendar, which is for their climate. So I think there are like six, six different climates that I cover. And then of course, there is Northern and Southern hemisphere and the, and the step-by-step -step guides that are universally applicable usually. It's more about uh, like step-by-step -step guide, you could think about it, it's a technique, and then the the when tells you how to contextualize the technique to your context, your climate, and the what helps you to have that big picture, like the roadmap would be personalized. Um, that's what I'm trying to do with my courses, to have things as plug and play as possible. I'm assuming, as I said, that things might change in the future quite radically with, with everything that AI is, you know, like growing in the last six months, there was no AI, now the AI is um, unfortunately kind of you know, conquering humans. 
in 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 a year as much as i was listening in a in a, in a five years who knows what what will happen so yeah but uh, it, yeah but it's all about it's all about making everything plug and play i really you know to be honest i enrolled in many courses which just have like video lessons and might have some resources but what i'm trying to achieve is it would be like a your companion that um, if you are doing implementation that kind of does all does all the work for you okay so it gives you the plan that you need to follow tells you when you need to follow it when you need to do it and then it gives you the guides that you can access on your phone if you wish and all done basically on my experience as i was i really you know i would really it would be really useful if i had a calendar it would be really useful if i know what things need to happen um, exactly and in what step and it would be useful to have guys that I can use um, as I'm doing stuff on, on, on the site. So that's why I created um, uh, the course that I mentioned. I love this and maybe something to explore there with the emergence of AI like you had mentioned and the role that these different systems can play is one thing that I've observed is that a lot of these systems are more or less mimicking algorithms, right? You yeah. plug in a certain amount of information, you get a result, you get a playbook, right? Yeah. And I think this is why a lot of people have excitement about AI's role in even complex systems like uh, Homestead or Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think because you of, can yeah. get to very predictable results and templates that you can then use in your management strategy. But I think for the same reason that you sounded apprehensive in the way that you mentioned that and my own apprehensions have come from is that it doesn't replace the relationship that you need to build and constantly be observing and receiving feedback from with the living beings and the land that you are managing, right? So it, yeah. these tools, these digital resources can function as a real shortcut to the learning journey and the organization required for effective and efficient management but they're not a replacement for the nuance that's created in the relationships that must be formed between living beings to create a reverence, a respect, and a stewardship that I am yet to see any machine come close to being able to replicate. How do you see yeah. that? To be honest, I'm a little bit concerned about the AI progress that we are mm -hmm. seeing. Like, um, It's not directly related to, to your question, but I actually, um, I've been listening a lot about, and I'm really excited. I'm using AI tools and AI tools are getting uh, implemented in everything that we are going to use. And it's going to be so, um, they say that you know, it's going to increase the productivity and, and whatnot, but um, I increasingly see, um, I increasingly see the future where, um, things like that actually disrupt things that we are trying to do and, and achieve. I especially, I'm especially afraid uh, of a day when AI is going to be so much advanced that he and she or whatever, however it, you know, want to call it, comes up with the solutions of giving us limitless energy if something like that can happen, you know, if mm -hmm. it's so smart, because then, then uh, we can um, forget about um anything that trying to related to keeping earth as you know restoring earth regenerating earth because we'll have so much energy so i see more like uh looking forward i'm very excited about what's happening with ai and tools that we will be able to use but at the same time i'm very much i'm 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 very i'm not sure if afraid is the right type of role but i wouldn't like to see technology so much um, implemented into, into mainstream agriculture because it's going to be more detrimental um, than, than uh, the current trajectory we are on. Like regenerative agriculture is, is picking up, like it's starting to be mainstream, but if we get that integration with technology and you know more efficiency and more, uh, um, cheaper energy or whatever, then I think that uh, things are not going to end up well, at least for Earth. Yeah. 
Yeah, and there's definitely those concerns that I have too. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out and how these tools are used, right? The tool is, yeah, it, it is its own thing. It's how it's used that really determines, you know, the the, the opinion that we have of it and, and how it develops. I also am concerned too that there's this perception that we can replace human presence in landscapes with optimized AI tools and better, let's say, monitoring devices or technology yeah. to do different tasks. Yeah. Because yeah. it carries with it the assumption that these are tasks of drudgery that need to be avoided at all yeah. costs. Uh, uh, and that uh, should only ever try to be outsourced to something that you know is is maybe optimized for doing that and doesn't complain about the working conditions that people are otherwise given. And I feel like that's a really sad assumption that far too many people have, have bought into that these tasks are only the tasks themselves, right? Like let's say going yeah. and pruning a, a vineyard or uh, yeah. soil amendments these things are repetitive and yeah maybe mm. not super engaging but they miss the relationship aspect that is built from these and especially when you have mixed farm like it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy right when we reduce these tasks down to just the actions of doing them and then optimize our farm landscapes for only those simplified tasks which can then be optimized by machines yeah. Of course, it doesn't make sense to have a mixed farm with all kinds of cyclical dynamics and reinforcing relationships between living systems. Yeah. And now you're in an ecosystem where everything is reduced to those simple tasks and relationship is not possible because there's no complexity in it anymore. And that is increasingly what is looked at as farming is simply a production method over a unit of space. And mm. it's unfortunate that there are so many uh let's say factors and variables in our ecology and in our climates that make it difficult to predict or manipulate or control a desired outcome for production results rather than seeing those bugs as the features that have resulted in the diversity of cultures and languages and ultimately the enrichment of ourselves as a species of which production is only, in my opinion, uh, a symptom of all yeah. of these other benefits from reconnecting with the ecology that we participate in. And so if AI, as complex and intelligent as it may develop into, still reduces or, let's say, makes redundant that cultural uh, stewardship and relationship aspect of interacting with our environments, mm, well, we're already down that path and I don't see it moving in a, in a positive direction. Yeah, it's going to be just more efficiency, like in the mainstream, you know. As if that were the only thing worth optimizing for. Yeah, of course. Well, I, I would bet that people who are listening to this and who have their regenerative farms or properties or whatever, they prioritize that relationship with nature as something, you know, that's a I'm big sure. part of why they're doing it. Okay, yeah. because I can tell you, working, you know, growing veggies is not just growing veggies. It's about uh, so many things, you know, being able to provide for a family, working physically that, you know, gives you that health, eating healthy, being part of that ecosystem, doing something, you know, good. That's all kind of things, except, you know, having that production of veggies that are, you can't quantify those. And they are a big part of why we are doing it and the human experience at all. Yeah, yeah so, and the internal development that is innate in those processes, right? Learning patience, yeah. observation, and yeah. uh, like a selfless sense of caring for not only the individual plants themselves, but the environment that makes their health possible. It gets, yeah, uh, yeah and I'm really worried that, especially with the very, very low percentage of the human population that's currently involved in agriculture or land stewardship, that this is something that is just being bred out of our cultures and is not necessarily going to return on its own or through some sort of manufactured uh, incentives to, to revive it, right? These are yeah. aspects of our culture and our learned uh, history that I don't know how long it would take to reestablish if they were really lost. 
Yeah, well, the thing is, we are going in that direction where um, I think that uh, the best thing it can happen is that uh, we don't find that new energy source that is going to give us limitless growth. You know, even yeah. the uh, transition to renewables would be uh, not give us that yeah. uh, type of you know energy form where we can grow if we can kind of keep um, the destructions of of destruction of earth at this level and it will be good i don't want to move into the next phase which is going to be much more efficient at destroying what we what we have yeah. but potentially maybe it's going to be much more easier to restore with um new 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 developments we will see yeah man we took kind of a philosophical turn here at the end <laughs> no, no. Let's go back to the main point, which is that, you know, despite the overuse and, and simplification of many systems that are used to manage ecosystems, I cannot advocate enough for building systems and organizational structures within your own planning and uh, goal orientation, whatever project that it is that you're working with, while still maintaining the humanity and the stewardship. Yeah connection with the land that so many of us get into this for and that fall in love with it because of yeah well the thing is the why of your what you're doing is always the most important like i i enjoy creating this stuff and doing this stuff but my why is uh, that i enjoy you know my my life lifestyle my family it's all about uh, geared on just um being more effective the time i have so that um i have um i produce what i need and enjoy and enjoy my my life well look man i really appreciate you putting together these resources and making them available to to so many people i myself am really well i already have started to look through the templates that you've shared with me and they've already started to inform my own reiteration of my own systems as i'm i'm revising them at the moment so i really appreciate that I really encourage people to check out the links that I'll post in the show notes for this and explore and improve the systems that you have for your own work as well. Thanks again Thank you, for making time. I make, I'll make sure that it's not another five years before we connect on this show again. <laughs> thanks. And I wish you Thank all you. the best uh, with you and your family at home. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks again to William. Just remember that the links to all of his exclusive tools and templates are available directly through the links in the show notes for this episode. And you can sign up for this new course at thepermacultureapprentice.com. Now, before we wrap this up, just remember that these episodes are only the beginning of the learning resources, design and coaching services, in-person courses, and interactive community that are available through Regenerative Skills. The Discord server is our free community where you can connect with other like-minded listeners exchange ideas, stories, tips, and resources, as well as interact with me directly and quite a few former guests from this show. Our Instagram account, at regen underscore skills, is the best place to see the projects that me and the team are working on, both for clients and collaborators, as well as on our own properties. I'll also be announcing the certification courses, workshops, and gatherings that we've got coming up later this year. If you're interested in getting dedicated support for your own project, you can now schedule a free planning session with one of our team members through the request form on our website. You can also find all the links, show notes, and past resources there at regenerativeskills.com. We truly believe that no matter your experience, your knowledge, abilities, resources, or background, you can be a powerful force for regeneration on this planet, and we're here to help you find your path. So as always, remember to keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way.